Hello everyone and welcome to another week of What You're Reading. Can you believe that it is the last um, the last week, the last day of September? Like, I'm still in denial that we are this far into the year. Except for I can't be completely in denial because the reality is we had to turn on the furnace this week. So, hello, bye bye to my money. Fuck you really old houses. They're a pain in the ass to try and keep warm. And it's still not warm, but that's a... Not a story that you came here for. Anyway, um, on the bright side, you know, this cooler fall weather means that it's a great time to pull out the slow cookers, even more so than usual. Um, I do use mine quite a bit during the year. But uh, today I've actually got some pulled chicken, barbecue chicken, going in there. And the house smells amazing. And there's still like four hours, five hours until dinner. So that's the only hard part about about that is it smells amazing but it's going to be a long time before I can eat it. Um, I guess if you guys want I could put my recipe up on the blog or something. Maybe I already did. It's really simple like everything comes from your your pantry. It's really really simple but it tastes really really good. Um, a quick, before we get into all the romance stuff, a quick little PSA to from me to you guys. Don't shop on shoes.com okay? Just just don't save yourself the headache. To make a long story short, I found some shoes on there. The size that I got didn't fit. Um, contacted them the same day that it arrived to my house. And I says, it doesn't fit. Can I do an exchange? Oh, sure, yes. Um, anyway, I got the shoes that I needed in the correct size, which I had to pay for. Um, and then I had to send back the wrong size, which they were then going to process and give me my money back for. And then it would even out, right? I bought a pair sent back a pair, I get the money back for the first pair, so I only pay for one pair, is, is how it's supposed to work with them. Well, instead, I got the pair that I sent back, they mailed it back to me, and says, no, they will not do an exchange, or I should say, they won't do a refund, um, because they were taken out of the box and tried on, they were worn. What do they expect you to do when you're ordering shoes online to find out whether or not the shoe fits? They were sent back the same day it arrived to me. It's not like I took them out and wore them for 20 miles for like five days. Like, uh, anyway, just don't shop with them, okay? I got a good deal there on the shoes. That's why I did it there. I found what I needed. They had coupon codes. It was all good. And except for if you need to do any sort of an exchange, then they just tell you to go fuck off. So instead, they're not getting any more of my money in the future, and they can go fuck off. You might want to... Um, take that advice and not shop with them either unless you want to deal with a headache if they don't work out because that's kind of the reality of buying anything, shoes, clothes, whatever, online is sometimes things don't work out. And trying to get them to work out with sizing or whatever should not be a pain and a half. Anyway, let's get into some Romance Landia news before we get into what I read. Um, I'm sure by now that you guys have seen the New York Times shitty article written by the like 80 year old white dude who is a total literary snob and thinks he's going to review romance. That, oh, that piece. I will leave a link to it in the post if you want to go and read that. I mean, I really, you, you shouldn't have to. It's, it's the same thing as we always get, right? And people are being condescending to romance readers and the genre again. I mean, it's, it's the same shit, different day. But I will leave a link to it if you want to go see what it's all about. Um, Jen, one of my reviewers, as you know, did a great thread on Twitter, I will link to that as well, um, where she 
tells, talks about how that article from New York Times was a classic, you know, how to shit on women's writing type of thing. It's a fantastic thread. She really pulls it apart. Um, and just, yeah, go read that. I will leave a link to it, like I said. And if you want some more information, um, another response, I should say, to that New York Times article, Sarah from Smart Bitches put a, one up um, just today. And she does a great job at breaking it all down and pulling in a lot of other people's, um, you know, responses and threads and whatnot, including Jen. Jen gets a shout out for her thread in there, which was awesome. Thank you again, Sarah, for doing that. Um, but yeah, I'll leave links to both of those so you can get a sense of, um, you know, what all was going on. Even if you don't read the New York Times article, honestly, you don't need to. Just go and read those and you'll understand why everyone is once again you know, pissed that romance is being shit on. Um, to make it even worse, after all that went down, we had the RWA who sent out a tweet basically saying, you know, that this this was some condescending shit that was in that article, but hey, at least a few authors got a shout out, so kudos to them. Um, no, RWA, no. A uh, no. A uh, no. Okay, just fuck you, no. Um, listen, the romance community, the romance genre, gets shit on enough as it is. Literally. For everything. Anything, anywhere we turn. Uh, we don't get the respect. We don't get... <laughs> we don't get anything, right? So, no, we are not going to be told that we have to turn the other cheek and then wait for that other cheek to get slapped because you know it will. Um, just because there's a few dollars that's being thrown at the romance industry. I do not believe that uh, the idea of, well, any publicity is some good publicity in the long run, bullshit. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. And we don't have to put up with that. The fact that we're being told within our own community that, hey, this is okay, just overlook the fact that it's a, a condescending piece of crap and just be happy that we're being mentioned and a few authors got a shout out. And it wasn't even a very, um, you know, positive shout out. But uh, no, we're, we're not going to take that. And we shouldn't be telling each other, you know, other writers and authors and whatnot. We shouldn't be telling each other to put up with that and just, you know, take the money that's being um, that's being provided from, you know, advertising or, or marketing or whatever. Like, no, just no. I can't believe, I can believe that RWA said that, but that was a bunch of bullshit. And no, nope, nope, nope. So, like I said, I'll have links to all those in the podcast, um, the blog, uh, blog post for this podcast. Man, it's Friday. Uh, let's see, what else? Some conversations on Twitter. Should we go over that? <laughs> you know, my Twitter is always a bit of a fun, hot mess, I guess. So, there was a conversation earlier in the week that was started by Mandy at Smexy Books, who shared a line from a book that she was reading. I don't even know if she ever told us what book it was. It really doesn't matter. Anyway, the line um, mentions, quote, that the hero's dick was as wide as a baseball bat. Uh, excuse me? No. Uh, no. Hell no. And stay the fuck away from me, dude. Um, which was basically the response of everyone. Uh, but that, that little conversation also brought up the, which would be worse, the baseball bat baseball bat-sized dick, or the infamous Evian bottle and nut scene, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, I've talked about that quite a bit over the years. If you do not, I will leave a link to that as well, but let's just say there was a book that I read 
probably four or five years ago. It was an old Allure's Cave uh, title. It's been republished since then. But the hero had a dick the size of an Evian bottle, like the big Evian bottle, not the little, you know, 20-ounce tiny thing. No, no, no. Like the big 32-ounce one. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The shape, the size. That's what he was toting in his pants. And he also decides during one scene that he's going to stick his balls in with his dick inside her pussy and fuck her that way. I'm, I'm not even joking. I am not even joking. I will leave a link to that discussion below because, oh, that sticks with me. I, I still remember it vividly, and I only read that book once, and I'm still surprised I got through it. It was horrible. Um, also, there was another another author or reader, uh, author, who says, oh, I just read a book the other night where the hero's dick is described as 12 inches and still growing. Uh, no, 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 and no, again, no. Seriously, authors, can we stop this with the monster-sized dicks? Like, yeah, most bodies can take it, you know, considering that it's the body is meant to also push out a fucking baby there, but uh, that doesn't mean that we're that we find that big of a dick pleasurable, okay? There is a difference between can it fit, you know, if enough lube and prep and arousal is involved, and does this feel good? And I don't think authors get this, apparently, because they're all just trying to one-up each other literally on the dick scale lately, and just, no, no, no. Where are our, our average-sized peens? I would like some more of those, okay? Don't come at me with your 12-inch dong, because no. This is closed. No. No. Um, quick thing about some blog posts that we had going up, in case you missed it. We had one up on Monday from Jen and KT. KT does not um, review for me or anything, but she was doing a guest post there with Jen. They talk about heat levels in romance and the frustration of the surprise, it's a closed door romance, uh, which was actually a really dis good discussion. It brought up um, a lot of conversation, especially on social media where I was sharing it. I will leave some links to all of that as well. And we also talk, they talk about in there, you know, can we just kick out the whole clean label for a romance? Like that just, no, clean versus dirty, just no, no. Can we stop that? Okay, can we stop, please? Um, and then Monday, Jen will have another discussion post going up, which, um, you know, basically, forget fuck, marry, and kill for the readers. It should be borrow, buy, or bye-bye. Um, so we're talking all about book buying and overpriced ebooks and all of that stuff. So come back on Monday for that guest post, or I should say for that discussion post. Um, it's actually a really fun one, and I want to know what your guys' you know, hard limits are for ebook pricing and all that fun stuff. And let's see, one last bit of housekeeping. Again, um, if you're a romance author and you're interested in buying an ad for your book either on the podcast here or on the blog's uh, sidebar spots, advertising spots, email me, okay? I will leave the link for that as well. Um, I promise you, I'm cheap. I am so cheap, but you'll get some advertising out of it. So, um, now that I've rambled <laughs> again, let's move into what I read for the week of September 24th. So I finished four books. Um, one of them I actually just finished literally this morning on my walk. We'll get to that one um, towards the end. So the first book that I read, or that I finished, was What You Need by Lorelai James. That was an audiobook that I was listening to last weekend. The narrators for that were uh, Lydia Dornette and Roger Wayne. This one is in dual 
first POV, so we get both the hero and the heroines, you know, alternating from chapter to chapter, basically. Um, I ended up giving this one three stars. So we have our heroine is Lennox. I know, it's a, a different name. Um, she has tattoos and some piercings, although she covers up the tattoos and has pretty much taken out all of her piercings. She's a bit of a former kind of wild child type of thing. Um, she had a really shitty mother and childhood life and all that, but she's now worked her way up in the world, has distanced herself from, um, from her past and from her mother and all that. Um, she now works basically as a temp within the company, so kind of like the old like secretarial pool. Um, so she's not an outside temp that comes in. She's part of the department within this giant corporation where she just kind of moves as needed from um, other departments uh, you know, to do temporary work type of thing. So Brady is the CFO at that company. It's his family's company there. He is a workaholic to the extreme, to the point that his family and friends and whatnot want him to just, you know, relax, take a chill pill, have some fun, go get laid. You know the drill, right? The setup for this. So, I should we just go into kind of some notes that I just jotted down? Because it's kind of a hot mess of my notes for this one. But it comes down to a lot of things that just kind of made me, <sighs> really, just kind of made me pissy. Yep, yep. So we've got the fact that there's a, at a point that Brady mentions that he's quote-unquote uncomfortable with um, this very feminine gay personal shopper and how happy he is by clothes and all that. And I'm just like, seriously, did we have to sneak in some homophobic bullshit there from our hero? Really, author? Really? What's worse, Brady also um, sneaks in some racist slash xenophobia bullshit as well because he doesn't understand how his Swedish mother, who has been in the U.S. for about 30 years, 35 years or so, still has a heavy accent from her you know, homeland and her home or native language and how she still gets American phrases all mixed up. Like, seriously, dude? And he thinks this a couple times throughout the book, and it's not in like a joking way, it's kind of in this, he's looking down on her way, like, why can't you just be an American white person, English speaker, blah blah blah, I mean, she is a white person, but you know what I mean. So this, you know, if he thinks this of his white mother, what would this, um, what would this hero think of other immigrants, and especially immigrants of color? I mean, and what does it say about what the author's viewpoint might be, because even though this is all fiction that's being written, I'm sorry, but an author's views, whether intentional or not, unconscious or not, are going into a lot of these, you know, lines and characters and stuff, and you're not just pulling this, I mean, you're pulling it out of thin air, I suppose you could say, but it's coming from somewhere, right? So sometimes when things like this come up, I have to wonder how much could be things that the author honestly might think or believe. I mean, I'm not trying to intentionally throw shade at this author. I don't know enough about her personally. But it's just, it's always there in the back of my mind, I guess. Um, if you're going to write a character that says this stuff and thinks these things, I also have to kind of side-eye you, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, he's, he's, <sighs> the hero is a bit of a dick, I guess is what it comes down to. Then we have this other line this one might have been from the heroine this time, but she's talking about some guys at a bar or people that they know. I was kind of unclear. I think it was just someone in passing that 
uh, maybe was at that bar a lot or something. But she's referring to him as, quote, almost short enough to be a midget. And it wasn't done, like, in some, like, joke way or anything. Like, it was just as if the author honestly thinks, and apparently the editor, honestly thinks that referring to someone who is genuinely really short it's okay to call them a midget. It's it's not, okay? Stop that. Stop that. <sighs> and then on top of that, we have both the hero and the heroine who refer to their previous hookups as being, quote, pretty and dumb. Seriously? Like, can we stop? Why can't they have some basic respect for the previous partners? I have no issue at all with the fact that they each had previous partners. That is reality. Like, most people, before they meet the one they're going to end up with, you know, you've had boyfriends or girlfriends, you've had lovers, you've had fuck buddies, you've had whatever. Like, you are not, uh, you know, this virginal, never been touched, never had any sort of relationship type of person, whatever, that finds their love and that's the only person they're with. Like, that is extremely rare. Most people have a past. I am fine with that. I am totally fine with that. In fact, I encourage it, okay? Like, show us the fact that, that our characters have had healthy previous relationships and hookups and whatever. That's fine. But they don't even have basic respect for their partners. They were just pretty and dumb fuck buddies, basically. Like, no. Fuck that. I'm not expecting these two to have, like, fallen in love with everyone they slept with in the past, but... It's just so disgusting and irritating that they both says, yeah, everyone I was with in the past was just pretty and dumb, but now I've met you. Like, no, 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 no. Uh, but perhaps the worst thing that really pissed me off about this hero is one of the times uh, after they've had sex in his office, um, and he tries to blame her and the sex that, you know, they had together because it was two of them, two of them to bang, it takes two of you to bang, and he's trying to blame her for his being distracted afterwards and not grabbing all the paperwork that he needed for his, you know, very important meeting that he had to fly off for the next day, and he shows up there unprepared, and he's all, you know, being yelled at by the others, and he then comes back to get the paperwork, and he's, like, taking it out on her, says it was her fault. Like, excuse me, sir? excuse me? Take care of your own shit. That's what it comes down to. You are a grown-ass adult man who is a CFO of a big company. Take care of your own shit. You were the one sticking your dick inside her too, dude. Her pussy did not just magically make you forget how to be a fucking adult and do your job. Like, stop. That just pissed me off so bad. Honestly, the more I'm thinking about it and all these things I'm listing that there's, you know, very little that's positive, maybe this should have been more like a two-star or a two-and-a-half star. I don't know. Anyway, um, there's also some inconsistency in his character in general. Like, is he supposed to be beta? Is he supposed to be an alpha? I don't fucking know, because he kind of was more beta a lot, and then it's like the author was trying to make him kind of sort of alpha sometimes, and it just came across as this mangled mess of I don't know what. So, yeah, it just didn't really fit. It, the other thing that didn't really fit was, or one thing, was his, like, quick jump to him getting a tattoo after, like, a two-minute conversation with her about him. And then he's walking in, and he's got a design, and he's getting it all done. And it just, it didn't fit. It just didn't fit. Um, I still have no idea what the hell this family business of theirs is, by the way. No idea. No, none at all. I know that they apparently employ over 5,000 people throughout the whole company. 
I know that it's paying the family apparently billions of dollars because he owns like a dozen different cars, including one of them that was well over a million dollars on its own. But I have no idea what the hell they do there. Nothing's ever said. I think there was at one point a mention of food, maybe, but uh, that just left me even more confused because like how? I, I don't know. They're just magically billionaires at this company that does I don't know what. No idea. Um, the sex, it was okay, I guess. Honestly, I've read James before. Um, I have more experience, I guess, with her previous books being more on the erotica side of things, like her Rough Riders series, is that what it's called? Yeah. Anyway, where it's like sex, 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 sex. And this just, I don't know, this one was just kind of meh, run-of-the-mill contemporary steam level, I guess. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't extra hot. It was just kind of, I don't know. My my level of hotness, though, is skewed. Keep that in mind, because I do prefer things like off the scales hot, so the stuff that's just like most people's idea of hot just kind of barely blips the radar for me, you know? So, I don't know. Anyway. Um, the other thing was her mother. I kept waiting for her to show back up and, you know, create this big problem. And other than her just kind of briefly showing up towards the, I don't know, last 20% or so of the book and causing a little ruckus and then being told to go away and she just goes away and we never hear about it again. I was just like, nah, I don't believe that because she was framed, you know, that the whole point of, or her whole, you know, character, not that she's really on page as a character, but was, you know, framed as this horrible woman that's trying to get stuff from her daughter, money and status and whatever, and, you know, is constantly embarrassing her or showing up and starting shit. And you're telling me that she's just going to finally walk off and never be a problem again after, like, a five-minute conversation from the daughter? After all these years of her not listening to her before, that five-minute little mini-conversation was going to do it? Like, that just didn't fit. So, I don't know. I just kept, I kept waiting the whole, the whole book. Like, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and the mother to come in and ruin stuff. And then she finally comes in and it's this brief thing and then she's gone and things are magically okay again. And I just, I don't know, you guys. I just, it was inconsistent. Really inconsistent. So, overall, I don't know. It seems, it's, reading through this again and my rant and everything, sounds like I had a whole lot of things that I hated and really nothing that I liked. So, maybe I'll have to change my rating on this one. It was just, I was left wanting more. I, I honestly, I was just left wanting more. I didn't completely hate like every minute of it. I didn't hate listen to this like I've done some others, but obviously I hated a lot of things in it and other stuff I was just kind of left. Meh. 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 <laughs> um, the narrators were, they were decent. Nothing special there either, to be honest. And sometimes a female narrator would like pick up and drop the Michigan, Midwestern, you know, whatever accents she was supposed to be doing. Just randomly pick them up and drop them. And eh, I've, I've heard better narrators. They weren't terrible, but they weren't, like, they're not ones that I'm going to put on my favorite list or anything. They were just, eh. That's, that's the story of this podcast, I think, is a lot of, meh. Because my next book was also kind of that way too, which was Bad For Her by Christy Barth. It comes out October 3rd, and I ended up giving this one three stars as well. Although, I think I liked this one more than I liked the last one. Now I can't even remember the name. And I just ranted about it for like 20 minutes. Um, anyway, so Bad For Her <clears throat> has Molly as our heroine. Um, she's a doctor. 
she grew up in the small Oregon town, you know, went away for school and whatnot, and now is back to work and live there. She's currently staying with her grandmother, who is an injured vet who runs a coffee and pot shop, not even joking, um, and she's also helping to take care of her teenage cousin, um, you know, get him on the right track, blah, blah, blah. Our hero is Rafe. Um, well, that's the name he's currently going by. He's an ex-mobster from Chicago. Um, he got into it because of his dad. He stayed in after his parents' death because of his younger brothers. He was, you know, trying what he knew to take care of them. But thing, some things went down. They ended up knowing too much, blah, blah, blah. They had to t finally, you know, run from the mob. They went into witness protection. Now, this is their, I believe it was their fifth relocation because, you know, they're not great at following the rules of, hey, keep your head down, be normal, don't say anything, blah, blah, blah. Um, so basically, you know, the Buller marshals and whatnot are not extremely happy, and this is their last chance, and if they screw up this time, they're just completely out of the program, and they can, you know, try to survive and not be killed by the mob on their, on their own. Um, so he is currently now working as a mechanic in this uh, town that he and his brothers just moved to, and honestly, you guys, this was another book that just kind of ended up meh. Like, overall, that's kind of all I have to say. I really don't have a whole lot to say about this. I don't have a whole lot in my notes. There was nothing about this book that I hated. But there's not a whole lot that I can point to specifically and say, Oh my god, I love this. Or, oh, this was good. Like, it's just kind of... Meh. Um, I just liked it, you know. It's just, it was okay. It was kind of quick. But at the same time, I was also able to put the book down and walk away, like, a lot over the course of the few days I took to read this. And that on its own is usually a sign that I'm not, I'm not really um, invested into the book. If I can just, you know, if, I, if I'm okay with the fact that I'm not reading 24-7, um, you know, I if it's a good book, then when I'm not able to read, which is a good part of my day, I'm still thinking about that book and I'm excited to pick that book up that, you know, evening or whatever. But if it's a book like this one was where I'm just kind of like, I guess I'll be able to start reading it tonight. Yay! Like, I just didn't have a whole lot of excitement about it. Um, you know, I was kind of confused about the fact that the two of them kept saying that they were going to be having this fling, but they don't start anything until nearly like two-thirds of the way through it, so I don't understand how they kept calling it a fling. And I don't just mean like, oh, they didn't have like intercourse, like, I just mean like they weren't doing anything until quite a ways in. But they kept referring to it as a fling that was going to turn into something more. But I was just waiting for it to turn into the fling to begin with before moving on to something more. Like, I just kind of wasn't what I was expecting, wasn't what we were being told, I suppose. Um, this one's a really quick timeline. Like, the whole story takes place within about two weeks. So, you know, you have to accept a whole lot of insta-love and, you know, insta-lust and everything else. Um, the sex, you know, is moderately hot. I'm, I don't really have anything to complain about. Again, I've read maybe hotter even from Barth in previous books that I've read of hers, but it, it was good. I liked it. Um, but then they also have sex, they have sex in an empty hospital room, actually I think more than once during the course of the book, and no one caught them, especially in a small town hospital. Like, I just, okay, sure, Jan, sure, okay, that's that seems logical. Not, um, I like the relationship as well between the, the three brothers, him and his um, two other brothers, um, you know, it wasn't a perfect relationship. They had, they had some things going on between them, stuff like that, but I just kind of like their interaction going on. And I'm definitely curious enough about the other two brothers and their stories to come back for more. Um, especially the youngest brother who is always like flirting with the, 
the head U.S. Marshal of their case, so I'm sure that's going to be a that's going to be an interesting dynamic when it gets to them. Um, I'm assuming that's the pairing that it's going to be with the younger brother because it was just kind of set up and hinted at that way. So yeah, all overall, this one it was okay. Like I said, I I don't have a whole lot to say about it one way or the other. It was just it was okay. I liked it. It was a fairly quick read. I think if you picked this up, I don't think you would be um, like angry about it like I kind of was about the first book I talked about from Lorelai James. Um, but this one just, it didn't blow me away either. It was just okay. But my next book that I finished, I absolutely adored. Absolutely adored. So that was Autobiography by Christina Lauren. It is a YAMM contemporary, okay? I don't read a whole lot of YA anymore, and I really don't talk about it on the blog, but this one was awesome, so I'm going to do it anyway. I ended up giving this one four and a half stars, so it'll be an October royal pick, because I, I finished it so late in the month. I'm putting it into October's giveaway instead, so check back in October for that one. And this one is first point of view for most of the part. We'll get to that. Um, and it's from Tanner only. So, Tanner... Um, is 18 and he's in his last term of uh, high school. Um, he is also bi, but uh, he's also half Jewish. His mother was raised LDS but left the church. Um, even though he's half Jewish, his grandparents are more, um, you know, religious about it than he and his parents and sister are. Um, they moved from California to Provo, Utah. And they moved because his mother got an awesome job opportunity um, in the in the tech industry um, there in Provo. And she was really hesitant to move back because she's, you know, aware of what the Utah culture is and the church culture that she left behind. And she's aware that her son, who was out and by in California, is going to have to be closeted again in Utah you know, for his own protection. Not that she was afraid he was going to get, like, beat up 24-7 or something, although that was, you know certainly a very um, real possibility and is for many LGBTQ um, youth and even adults for that matter. But just, you know, she was aware that if she came, if he came out in Utah, he was not going to be, he was not going to be treated well, you know, even in the way people would talk to him or ignore him or whatever. So he had to go from being happy and open to just pretending like he's straight. So he ends up falling for Sebastian. Sebastian is 19. He is a college freshman um, at BYU. He is also the bishop's son, so obviously he's Mormon, very much so. He is, or he will admit to eventually being gay, but obviously he is not just closeted, but actively ignoring, ignoring his own identity and sexuality because he's aware of all the messages that he's been you know, taught basically from birth about what the church thinks of, um, you know, homosexuality and all of that. And he's afraid to, he's afraid to lose his family and his very identity as a, you know, a religious person because, um, he struggles with the fact that he doesn't think that there's anything wrong with who he wants, who he would like to like. He doesn't feel, when he's like praying to God, he doesn't feel like he's being punished. But he also knows that that's not how the rest of the church sees it. And he doesn't, he doesn't want to come out and say something, not even to his parents, because he knows that he might lose that very foundation that his entire being has been built on. You know, literally from, from a baby on up. Um, so there's, you know... There's a lot of conflict going on there. 
a lot of it. Tanner is taking class there at Provo High School. That is basically where they, um, this handful of students that get into the class are supposed to write a book during, you know, that semester. And, um, Sebastian did that class the previous year and the book that he wrote ended up being picked up and is being published by, you know, a New York publishing house or whatever. So Sebastian is kind of like a local celebrity in that right. And he's basically like a, become a TA for the class for this year. So he's in there to kind of help the kids and talk to them and, um, you know, just kind of say, hey, I've done this before. What, what can I do to help you guys write your own book or whatever? So that's how the two of them meet. And um, it kind of goes from there. This book, you guys, had like, I, I just have all the feels. Like, I don't even know how to put this into words. It's kind of why I'm a jumbled mess again, even though I've got notes in front of me. But my notes basically just say feels all it feels because it was kind of a bit heartbreaking at times you know you're wondering are things really going to work out you know you're worried that that Sebastian wouldn't be able to fully come to terms with his sexuality and his love for Tanner and you're seeing how how Tanner is you know putting himself out there both in the book and to Sebastian and just everywhere and you're just afraid that he's going to get hurt and you've just got all these feels and you've got all these worries but at the same time I had all like the the happy butterflies going as I'm watching these two boys kind of dance around each other and, you know, try and, uh, you guys, it was just so good. I mean, I don't want to say that it was like this happy book from beginning to end because it's not like there's, it's trying to tackle some, you know, really serious conflict and stuff, but it does have a happy ending and there's a lot of happy moments. Just, you know, you have to be well, you're going to also kind of get, you know, sucker punched a time or two with, alongside Tanner, and you're going to feel kind of crappy, but it'll be better. I promise it'll get better. Um, I, you know, I really, the only thing is I really wanted Sebastian's point of view, especially to see how he was trying to deal with, with his, you know, very personal confliction of his sexuality versus his religion. Like, that's, that's a lot to try and go through. So I kind of wish that his point of view had been part of the story, um, but I can see how keeping it to just Tanner was very integral, I suppose, to telling this specific story that's kind of a story within a story, sort of, you know, because Tanner's writing a book which is really an autobiography of him falling for Sebastian while he's while you're actually watching them slowly fall for each other so I can see why it had to be from Tanner's point of view only but I really wish that we had gotten Sebastian too because I f I feel like I didn't quite get all of his character and it would have been a I, I'm sure a very complex character when you're having that that deep of a personal conflict confliction going on, you know, of do I embrace my sexuality or and risk losing my ties to my religion and my family, or do I continue to closet myself and be unhappy and try to fit into what they want so that I can keep that foundation that I love? Like, there's a lot of conflict there, you guys, and I just wanted to see that on, on page from him, not just, you know, kind of being alluded to you know, through what's being told to Tanner by him. They, there was this, I say that most of the book was from Tanner's point of view because the last, I don't know, maybe 15% of the book or so, it suddenly changed and we got a little bit of Sebastian, but it wasn't in first point of view. It was in like third point of view present, I want to say. And then we also got those last couple chapters were also from Tanner's point of view, but it was also switched to third point of view. Like it was just very odd and jarring. And I didn't really like that change in the narrative and, you know, point of view style at the end. I, I really don't. Um, I don't think that it made for a smooth 
or enjoyable read towards the end. To be quite honest with you, I wish they had just stuck with for first point of view, and if they were going to show some of Tanner's, that had been Tanner's point of view, first person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't quite understand that. Um, also, I wish that the ending had been stronger, had shown them together for a little bit longer. Like, there is a happily ending. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. But it's just kind of like... They, you know, they, they talk, they make up, um, you know, he's, he's came out to his family, things aren't perfect, but there's a, you know, there's that potential for them to have a future now, and then it just kind of ends, and I just wanted more, I wanted to see them together, and, you know, not sneaking around like they had to do through the rest of the book, so I just, I wanted a stronger ending, or maybe some sort of a sequel from them at some point, I mean, I'd kill for that, I'm just saying, Christina Lauren, I would kill for some sort of a sequel for these two boys because I loved their story. I truly loved their story. But, you know, regardless of those two little things I'm talking about, I I really did. This was almost a five-star read for me. Like, it's just, just that far off from being a five-star read. It is that good. What I really loved and what gave me a much closer connection to this book, I loved seeing my state, Utah, as the backdrop for it. You know, there was some of my own experiences of being that, you know, outsider that is a non LDS church member and seeing that in the book was just it was great because there was a lot of things where yeah I'm going okay I know that area of the state they're talking about or I know that place they're talking about but it was also just I know that experience that Tanner is talking about I know I know I just I know what they're talking about like it was just comforting to me and I guess it maybe might not be to that same level for someone else reading it but as a as a Utah who's lived here in my entire life but who is not um, part of the church. I mean, I was baptized at eight, but that's literally the only connection I ever had to the church, and that wasn't really my choice. Anyway, my point is, the thing you have to get about being in Utah is even when you're not part of the church, you're... It's a, it's a different culture here, I suppose, um, and this could be a whole thing, so I'll try to keep this brief to try and explain it, but it's just a different culture here. And even when you're not part of the church, if you live here for any length of time, you become somewhat, not maybe not fluent, but somewhat, I don't know, maybe like beginner's course fluent or something in the church culture and how that affects Utah as a whole. And just all these little things that I, I suppose most readers would, wouldn't, you know, think twice of, but Tanner would talk about it and I'd be like, yep, I know that. Yep. I've had experience with that, or I've heard that before, or I know people like that, or it just, Utah is not ever in romance novels, and if it is, it's kind of like being poked fun of, or it's like all about the church, or like inspirational or something, and like that's not my thing, obviously. So to see it in here, where yes, you've got you've got elements of the church through Sebastian, but it's not, I don't know, it's just not the same. I, I guess I'm just saying I loved being able to finally see my own state and in a book and a book that I loved and just being able to connect on that level. I mean, there's parts that, you know, this has taken place in one of our, um, you know, bigger cities, one of the few bigger cities here in the state in Provo. I don't live anywhere near Provo. I'm like, an hour's drive south there in the country in a small town. So there is differences even from how things are explained of the, of the culture or society or whatever um, in the book there in Provo compared to what I know here in the country. But but it wasn't so so vastly different that I couldn't still connect to what was going on for these two boys there in Provo. I still knew a lot of it. But, I mean, there's also things where I'm like, well, that's not quite how it is here in the country. And that's fine. Like, when you're talking about, you know, a, a state even, 
you're not going to have a universal a universal experience or culture across an entire state, no matter what the state is. So it's not like I expected their their experiences there in Provo to exactly mirror my own here. But um, I don't know. It was just I just loved it, you guys. I just I did. I loved it. I just it gave me happy feels and it allowed me to be able to see my own some of my own experiences at least as far as living here in Utah within the book. One of the authors, Christina Lauren in case you didn't know is a writing team. Christina is one of them and Lauren is the other and they combine their name to Christina Lauren. Anyway, and I'm pretty sure it's Christina at least, maybe Lauren as well, but at least Christina um, lives in Utah, her and her family do. So, I mean, this is something that she's familiar with. So, I appreciated, I just appreciated being able to see my state in a somewhat, you know, positive way for once within a romance novel on top of that, even though this is YA. But, um, I will stop babbling, you guys. I'm sorry. I just was happy to see my state in a book and a book that I ended up loving. And just go get this book, okay? Like I said, it's YA. There's no, like, sex um, on page or anything. Like, it's alluded to um, once or twice, but it's there's nothing on page about it. But it's not... I don't think that you would read this and think, you know, oh, these are such immature characters. Like, it's not young YA. I mean, they... They're, you know, 18 and 19 year olds, um, but it's just, it's just an awesome book. Just go pick it up. And I'm glad that this is out there. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that Tanner, even though, yes, he had to be closeted here in Utah, his sexuality, the fact that he was bi was not, was not actually a conflict of the story. Like it wasn't that people were constantly going, are you sure you're bi? Like, are you sure that's a real sexuality? Are you sure you're just not straight? Are you sure you're not gay? Like, that wasn't, that wasn't the issue. He was just, he was bi. That was it. That was just, I mean, it's in the damn blurb, and I love that. I love that we're getting more inclusive, and, and just, I just love that that's coming out in a lot more of our books, and especially in a YA that, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some actual teens, you know, older teens or whatever, um, you know, reading this that really need to see that, positive representation of their identities and whatnot in a book. So there's just that just made me happy. That's all I have to say. This was an awesome book. Like I said, it'll be in, in October's giveaway. So check back then um, for a chance to win it or, you know, pick it up before then if you're going to listen to me tell you that you need to read it. So the last book that I finished, which I said I finished just this morning on my um, morning walk, was my other audiobook, The Unyielding by Shelley Lawrenston narrated by Johanna Parker. I ended up giving this one four stars. So you've got Erin, uh, that's the heroine. She is a crow. Um, she's also a tattoo artist, and she has firepower, like literally. Um, she is also of Jewish descent. Um, she's not active in her religion or anything, but she is um, part Jewish. She's also kick-ass, um, which is pretty common for all of Lorenston's women and heroines, especially in her books. Stieg is a hero. I don't have as much to say about him. But anyway, he is a raven, so he's a viking. Both of these two are humans, but they have some powers from each of their gods. This is a series you really need to read in order. This is book three, so I'm trying to figure out how to like kind of give you guys a rundown without like, telling you the entire world and series arc and all that. Like You just need to start from book one to get it. But basically this series is revolves around Nordic mythology and, you know, Vikings, and Odin, and Loki, and, you know, dragons, and elves, and demons, and just, there's witches, I mean, there's like shapeshifters even. Anyway, there's a whole lot of stuff in this world, and it's awesome. I love how she does the world building for this. I love that it's something 
new and different. I just, I love that about it. It's very, this, both this series and just kind of Lawrence, Lawrenceton in general writes very fun and campy, but also really violent books. So like the women in particular are unapologetically violent and fierce and give no fucks about it. No fucks about anything for that matter. So, you know, you just kind of need to go into that. Like some people don't so much like that. And like, I admit sometimes the violence, you're like, oh, that's, that's a lot of blood going on there. Or that's a lot of gore. But I don't know. I think it's handled in a way that's still like, I'm not a fan of like gore and horror and, and stuff like that. But even though there's even though there's quite a large body count, I suppose, in these books, it still manages to somehow be light and fun and entertaining. It's really hard to explain. You just, you've got to at least try one of her books. Some people either really love her, her writing and her style and her worlds, or they don't. Like, that's, that's kind of all there is to it. So if you try one, you kind of get a sense of what she, what she writes. So I would definitely suggest if you want to try it, start with books. So like pretty much all paranormal series, you really need to read in order to understand the overall arc that's going on because yeah it's a different couple for each book but um the story and the world building and all of that progresses from book to book i don't know this one anyway there's like there's some over the top you know times in here um that's in all of her writing but you know i like the jokes and the silliness it's just a fun entertaining read um you know when there's not blood gushing everywhere. <laughs> but um, I will say this about the books, and this one, it, it applies for this one as well, but her books, the romance always takes a back seat to the rest of the story that's being told and the characters that are being shown. Like, I'm okay with this because I just enjoy so much of the rest of the story going on. But, you know, I, I do, of course, wish there was more romance to it. But I've just accepted the fact that these books of hers are kind of romance light, but otherwise still really entertaining and kick-ass and fun and just they're good so just know going into it I think if you know going into it that the romance is kind of as Jen put it the subplot um, just know that going in side note for just one second Jen actually just posted her review of book two the undoing that went up I'll put a link to it below if you want to read it she enjoyed that one I enjoyed it too and I read it a couple months ago but um, she goes over some of these things that I'm talking about in that review as well so if you want to know a little bit more about um, book two, then go check out that review. What else? Oh, you know me, so a brief mention of the sex, right? Um, there's a few brief scenes, like it's not overly explicit, it's not overly long, but it's it still manages to be pretty hot, but it's still fun at the same time. I really love that that Aaron here, and it's true of pretty much all of her books, that the woman is the one that really takes charge of the sexy times, so I love that. I will say that I always feel like the hero is not as strong of a character as um, as she makes her, you know, her heroines and even the other women in the book. So that's kind of another, I guess, tick in the mm, negative. I don't even want to say negative, but <laughs> in the less positive, shall we say that, category is that the heroes are not, I don't really feel that I get as, as big of a, I don't know, I guess character arc or connection to their character or anything like that. It's just kind of like they're just they're there to, you know, be the hero for the heroine, and that's kind of it. I would have liked a little bit, maybe a little bit more balance. Like, her still be as kick-ass as she is, but maybe for the heroes to be just, just a little bit, a little bit closer to where she's at. I don't want them to bypass her. I want them to, the heroines to still be kick-ass, but I wish the heroes were just a little bit more closer to them, you know? Um, but anyway, like I said, it's a good book. The narrator is, you know, good. It, she adds to you know, the fun times and the snark and all that. Like, I think she does a, a good job as narrator as well. So I recommend the series. Start with book one, though. 
Seriously. And that was all that I managed to finish reading for the week. So another, yeah, not bad week for me. Not the slowest, but um, I wish I had managed to finish at least one or two more. At least one more would have made me extra happy. But I am currently reading His Convenient Husband by Robin Covington. This one comes out October 9th. We have a hero of color who's a football player and a single dad, and he falls for a ballet dancer, and there's a marriage of convenience involved, and just fuck yes, bring it on, I'm here for it. Like, when this when this book was first put up on NetGalley a couple weeks ago, it went like wildfire through my feed where everyone was just, gimme, gimme, gimme this book, and I'm finally sitting down to read it, and I'm about 40% in, and it's really good. Uh, it's really good. Definitely recommend. It's an MM, in case you didn't couldn't tell by there. It is an MM romance, um, kind of a category type length from Entangled Publishing, and it's it's really good so far. If I manage to finish it tonight, I don't know what I'm going to read next. I think I might look through some of the older um, arcs that I have out from NetGalley that I really need to, you know, read and turn in a review. I might look through and grab one of those that came out, um, you know three, six months ago. Yeah, I'm behind on some of my reviews. Oopsies. But yeah, I'll figure something out when I finish uh, His Convenient Husband. But my current audiobook, I actually haven't even started it yet. Like, I'll start it when I walk the dog tonight. But it is Just the Sexiest Man Alive by Julie James. I've had some kind of hit or misses with Julie James, but uh, overall I, I usually enjoy her, her books. So I got this one from the library. My hold finally came in on it, so I'll be starting that tonight. I think that's it. I'm pretty sure that's it. <laughs> My voice is getting tired, so that's how we know that this is the end of it. So tell me, like always, tell me what you are reading this weekend or what you read during the, you know, during this week. Good, bad, indifferent. I mean, we saw that I had some kind of mixture of all three of those for myself this week. So you let me know what you're reading. You can do that on the blog post in the comments. You can do that on Twitter or you can check out the blog's Facebook page or find me on Instagram or Tumblr or whatever. I'll have always have the links to all that um, on the blog. And the blog, in case you're not familiar, is www.tbqsbookpalace.com and you can find everything to your heart's desire there. In fact, there is currently a giveaway for our September Royal Picks that will end Sunday night at 11.59 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for me. But there are six books that Jen, Pat, and I have all loved that were four and a half and five star reads for the month of September. There are six books that we've put up there and two winners will be chosen. Each winner will pick one ebook. It is open international as long as I can gift to your, you know, your country on Amazon or, or Barnes and Nobles or whatever you need it through. And yeah, go check out that giveaway before Sunday night if you want a chance to enter. We've got a mixture of books. There's a um, few contemporaries. There's a paranormal like vampire one. There's a there's an FF, you know, female female romance, which I talked about last week in her court by Tamsin Parker that is up in there. And a historical from Tessa Dare that I also read. So yeah, there's a little bit of everything. Go enter the giveaway. And I think that's finally it. So I hope that you are having, uh, or that you have, an amazing weekend. I hope life is treating you, I hope life is treating you well, no matter what. I hope life is treating you well. I hope you find some awesome books to read and escape into and enjoy. And talk about with all of us. Romance Landia is always here for a good conversation. So uh, until next week, enjoy. TBQ.